folks. Welcome back to Good Vibes Nation. No Dougie in the house, which means we've got a phenomenal guest. To to Doug's credit of being a self-proclaimed left-wing snowflake and myself, this guest would kick our ass upside down and sideways any day of the week. He is a combat <laughs> veteran. He served 11 years in the U.S. Army. He's amongst other things. He'll be talking about his deployment to Afghanistan, which the media and government, they don't want to really acknowledge this one. So I want to welcome to the show, William Yeski. William, welcome. How are you, man? Great to be here. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you hopping on the podcast. First and foremost, we love our U.S. military. Respect them, our first responders uh, on the show. So I want to thank you first and foremost for your service to this country. I appreciate it, man. Oh, thanks, man. And so and and you're welcome. Ironically, today, uh, I didn't. I know we talked a little bit, William. Ironically, today, as we're recording the show, my youngest nephew is headed out to Lakeland Air Force Base to start his basic training in the Air Force. So I want to give a little shout out to him. Proud of you, Matt. You Proud go. of your decision. But let's kick it off, man. Our podcast with our guests, we like to start off, get a little bit of background about where you're from, William, how you're raised. Do you mind throwing the, a little bit of info our way? No, absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, really small town, America, um, Thomaston, Connecticut. Well, you got a town full of 8,000 people wow. and that is about it. Just nestled up in that new England area, good twisty roads and leaf peeping weather. Like right now is the perfect time to be up there. That's awesome. <laughs> you there now or is that your journey taking you somewhere else? No, I, uh, I'm one of those guys that can kind of just go anywhere yeah. kind of deal. So when I grew up in Connecticut and then it was, uh, joined the military and was stationed down in North Carolina for a good bit, um, nine years, yeah. you know, all of it was spent at, uh, what was then Fort Bragg now That's Fort right. Li- Liberty. That's right. That's right. That's where we're we're broadcasting from is Greensboro, North Carolina. So very familiar. Exactly. I got excited when I saw that <laughs> I, uh, know that I've got that event coming on Veterans Day down in Fayetteville, and you guys are more than welcome to come attend. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Give us that info uh, here at the end, and we'll, we'll definitely, if we can make it there, we're definitely going to be there. Yeah. But, but uh, I'm up in Maryland now. Awesome. So, I'm, yeah. Doug and I are both New York, New Jersey natives, so we have made our way down okay. here, down to the south. We're we're damn Yankees, <laughs> as they like to call us, but, but let's- You're going to end up in Florida, long uh, run? Maybe. Maybe. We're about halfway <laughs> there, right? Yep. There you go. So army. All right. So what, what made you decide that specific branch? Anything? So it's kind of weird. Um, that I, I actually started out out of high school. I wanted to join the Marines mm-hmm. and I got talked out of it by my mom and dad. They, um, it wasn't so much a, they knew that if they said no, I was going to just go anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I had already taken the ASVAB and the recruiter came to them and was like, Hey, you know, and they're at that point to where they're like, oh, he's on, yeah, he's, he's on that verge of. Yeah, he's serious. So they did that whole, hey, you know what? We'll give you college. We'll pay for college. Go do that. And then we'll support you if you still want to go in as an officer. And okay. it's that tricky. Yeah. Uh, they knew what was going to happen. Yeah. You know, I get into college, meet a girl, uh, start settling down. Yeah, military just kind of floated to the side. And then... um you know, there was, uh, I had my own thing going and at a certain point, um, you know, she, she left, I was heartbroken and I really needed to, to hit a reset button. You know, I was letting life spiral and, um, you know, kind of looked at it and I was like, you know what, you're going to join the Marines, but the more, the more, you know, kind of thing, uh, 
I decided I was going to go in under a special forces contract as a 18 x-ray, um, you know, into the army end. And they were the only ones that had that, but I was looking at kind of the, the war in Afghanistan. I'm like, that's, that's dwindling down. It was 2007 when I was considering, I didn't actually get out there until 2008. Cause I had to, you know, sell the house. I had, you know, I was pretty established at that point, yeah. a house, a business, I was racing cars. Um, and so that was the back out and hitting that reset button to kind of put, um, give myself, uh, that end of things to where I, well, I really was, I was spiraling. It was, uh, to that point to where it was get up party, um, or, you know, get up workout, yeah. uh, base it towards the party that night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and repeat the next day, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, but, so I knew I knew I was going down a bad path. Wise decision there too. So you mentioned was that your your MO that is that what you were trying to go in specifically for? You said they had it or what was that? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was trying to go for. I wanted to base base towards the special special forces and be uh, an 18 echo, which is a um communication sergeant. Uh-huh. And at some point, so I was on the pipeline on the track and at some point i got hurt in the uh during you know your right be- right before selection um and they it was so weird just on how instances happened to where they just dropped everybody in in med hold so it was just there was too many people in med holds to where they had malingers and stuff people kind of hiding out from from big army yeah um and they just massively just dropped everybody. I was in med hold for maybe a week and a half yeah. and I got the news and I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? And yeah. I contested it and they were like, yeah, too bad. You know, Sergeant major says you're going, you're going. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up in the 82nd airborne Okay. and, um, you know, showed up, I was supposed to show up on crutches, but I had too much pride and ego for that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and the very next day, of course, we're running down our dens and I'm like, this was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but hey, it sounds like you were you were where you were supposed to belong for for sure. Yeah. Now, now segue a little bit. So, damn the valley, right? It's a book you wrote, and I want to dive into that a little bit later. But that phrase specifically, it has some significance. So, I want to throw a two part question here at you. I want to know what the significance is of that phrase, and then give us a little bit of history about that area, if you will. Yeah. So that's kind of a little bit behind everything with the book as I've sort of taken that historical aspect and put it into this. So the phrase damn the valley um, was really something that the more casualties stacked up or the more people missing and the more people, um, you know, KIA over there wounded in action, it just became sort of a a curse towards that particular valley. Um, And so much so to where the actual frg leaders and stuff started um started bitching about it you know they're like you got to be kidding me like stop stop tagging things i think facebook was fairly new at the time so people would say damn the valley if they posted something we had like limited super limited access i mean we're talking dial-up speeds out there (laughs) and um guys would get on there and, and you know maybe post uh i don't think they were posting any pictures at the time of where we were but maybe just like a something about you know just an update yeah um nothing that's opsec you know hitting that but it it started to throughout the years kind of grow to where 
they requested that we stop using that phrase and it was like hey this is sort of an expression yeah um you know almost a spit you know uh, damn the valley um damn that place and so i'll go a, a little bit on your second part there the history behind the the valley so back in the 80s um i mean this is kind of this is right outside kandahar um it's right in that corridor so you're looking at 2010 is when we had the surge uh that's actually how we ended up in afghanistan it was 2009 we were actually slated for iraq and we came down on executive orders from obama and it switched us to afghanistan and we didn't really have a mission out there and it was our battalion commander searching out trying to get us into the fight when he um you know, I had talked to McChrystal and we got assigned to that particular area. So we got pulled out of Helmand province and put in the Argandab River Valley and the history behind that. Um, so, I mean, the Brits were there. There's actually an old hand-drawn picture up on social media. This goes way back. I'll probably post it again sooner or I'll go into the archives somewhere. But there's an old illustration from when the artists and stuff. So there's you know, a, a British military back in the either early 1900s, I want to say, or eight, late 1800s. Mm -hmm. But a picture of the valley, it's crazy. You can see those mountains in a black and white um, illustration in some British military history books. And then you go forward to the 80s when the Russians came into that valley. And there was actually the, the Battle of the Argandab uh, in 87. And they lost... There's like a battalion-sized element out there. They sent a brigade, but I mean, it was a battalion-sized element um, that was just tore to pieces. And it was crazy walking through there. You could see um, some of the locals would have things like heavy drop shoots, or you'd come across an old man with a Soviet uh, Soviet military officer's belt. And there's oh. only one way you get one of those. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. You mentioned, right, uh, the casual, high casualty rate. And yeah. 52%, is that, that's right? Is that what I saw? 52%? It, it's actually, it's somewhere over that. But I mean, the, my recollections from when we were on the plane and we were kind of given this small printout with numbers and stuff on it. And somebody started doing calculations and the word kind of just spread through the whole plane. Like, holy crap. Well, you didn't even know at that time as we're leaving, we've got, um, you know, it's like you're asking questions like, hey. Hey, where's this guy? Yeah. Because we had been separated as a company. We were operating in platoon-sized elements cut off from each other. Um, really, the only way we'd either have a patrol that would come through and link up, or we might have to uh, escort somebody to one of the other combat outposts. But that was it. And we didn't really get too much interaction with the other guys, so it was sort of compartmentalized. And you didn't know. You came back at Kandahar at the very end, and you're getting ready to go, and you're like, hey, where's where's this guy? Where's that guy? And it's like, Oh, you, you didn't hear, you know, they got hit a few months ago. They're missing a leg or they're missing an arm or, you know, um, they got hit. They're, they're gone. You know? And it's like, Oh my God. What about during your, your time there? I know you said you were limited. Did you have any personal experiences with anybody that maybe you were, you were close to? Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I mean, really, close to <laughs> is affect, a rough yeah or affected you maybe just say i want to say close to but maybe impact even you. again i mean really in going back and writing this is really when some of this started to hit me um i it's been 
I haven't really slowed down enough. And I think that's actually some of the reflection in, in writing this. And it's been, been good for that end and pulling apart some of everything and sort of realizing, um, just how I guess horrific some of the stuff that we went through, you know, a lot of the guys refer to it as the meat grinder and, you know, my old first sergeant at the time, uh, he retired as a command sergeant major and he's still like, he doesn't really talk about that particular period of service yeah. he's just like it was horrible i mean ptsd is is it's a real thing it's something that i think that obviously we, we realize here recently right but looking back even to like vietnam and and wars like that where you know those those guys what they experienced you know they're trying to transition back to civilian life how was that coming back did you segue rather easily or was it a lot more difficult do you think I mean, so when we came back from that particular end, I took a lot of that, uh, straight into, straight into, I went back to the special forces selection side. I was like, that's it. You know, I already had orders that was supposed to send me to, um, Washington to join up with fifth ID. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not riding around in strikers. You know, I saw what happened to the guys in the Valley before us with that. This was my original uh, goal. And I mean, I went back actually during our block leave, um, the day after Thanksgiving, I reported in to selection, did the, the three weeks in hell, you know, I made it. So passed and went across the street to that end to start training for the special forces qualification line. So I never really stopped. I just kept going and then, um, kept going from there, even, you know, throughout my time in service, uh, even leaving service, you know, it was like, okay, Left service, um, got fired the first day, <laughs> back on a job yeah. and, uh, sort of went the, went the school route. Yeah. Um, went, burned through business school in two and a half years, yeah. uh, and then went forward, started doing stuff with the, you know, the Ivy league schools started realizing, Hey, I kind of operate at a, a little bit of a different speed. Yeah than some of the other people. So let's, let's use that to my advantage. So, I mean, went on to some stuff with Cornell and then now Columbia business school just finished up with them. That's awesome. Um, brother. And it all turns into, you know, I mean, it's all been tools along the way to help bring this book along. I mean, I'm not an author, but I'm a marketer. So it's like, Hey, let's get the word out here. Let's share these stories. Yeah. And that's helped out hugely during putting this thing out. And really quite honestly, I mean, it's, it's been on my heart over 10 years to write this thing. Yeah. I just never did. Um, so when it came down to put words to paper, really the original manuscript, it, I wrote it in two weeks. Wow. You know, it wow. was, that's not what you get here. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been severely, you know, um, put through the strainer and then through the DOD process of making sure that uh, that side is all in order. Um, and all the different guys as well is that's, it's not just my story. Like my story was the original manuscript. And then once I started integrating and realizing that like these guys, this is their story. And that's why I took it from first platoon is because really I had eyes on, I was on most every patrol because I was the uh, RTO, which is the radio telephone operator. So that's your communications. That's your commander's eyes on the battlefield. And you have between myself and between one of the, one of the medics, you know, 
they actually sent another one out because the op tempo is just so high um, to try and assist there uh, that we were out, myself, Doc Ponce, um, Paul Martinick was somebody that was sent out to us as well that he would kind of fill in on Camo. And um, they eventually got Doc uh, Jacob Schultz out there because it just was. It was it was brutal. That's That's insane. But are you... Have you had experience there where obviously I know what your job is, but have you had to literally pick up and start fighting that aspect or were you in a situation where you didn't have to fire that weapon? Okay. So we'll go into that. <laughs> Why not? There's been plenty of stuff. I mean, there was, you have, uh, we were talking about the one before. Yeah. Um, there's a chapter called Battle Shits. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we were setting in to this particular compound with second squad and that was uh, Sergeant Robert Muscle squad and he, they were they were known as anger squad because they were the most aggressive they were also squared away they they presented a hard target all the time yeah and so we um we kind of found a compound outside of uh, I believe it was Mianjoy at the time was the the town and we found a compound that we were it was abandoned we were going to use to run the patrols out of and run you know, an overwatch from there and run a small team. Cause if you ran a larger element through there, you'd spook people off. So a lot of times we'd operate within 12 to 14 man teams. So we're setting up, we got a gun team on the roof with a graded deer up there and they're setting in and everybody's kind of, you know, all right, let's catch a little bit of rack time. We have security up and everything. And I'm calling up our position and I hear something cracking through the trees. And thunk, and it knocks, you know, a, a dull sound like a baseball hit a hit a tree branch, and this grenade spoon falls to the ground. Oh my god! Yeah, and thank God for that tree branch, because that grenade binged off that tree branch, flew around the corner. They would have landed right where. Um, so Sara Muscle was. Uh, he had a case of dysentery, oh. and he's relieving himself. Yeah. <laughs> In the corner there, you know, he's got his got his armor off and he's yeah. um squatting in a hole basically. And this thing, boom. <laughs> oh my god. And I have never, because I'm looking straight at him. I have never seen anybody, I mean, tearing his stuff off. It was like this one smooth motion of jumping right on it and screaming, going into full, you know, action on a yeah. spin of a spin of a time. <laughs> And, um, the gun team on the roof, you know, I immediately go into it to where I'm, uh, sending it up on, Hey, we just had, you know, we're in contact and the gun team there, the enemy was right down in the orchard. You know, I mean, they just hucked a grenade over the wall and they don't have, they're not, they don't throw baseballs like an American, you know, (laughs) so they're relatively close to where this guy up on the roof as security, he he can't traverse the gun low enough. Yeah, he doesn't have a shot. On All right, him. and you've you've got as soon as that grenade went off, you've got AKs. Yeah, and he's returning fire, but it's not effective. Yeah, and he grabs the two forty that's on a bipod on the ground. This is a heavy. Well, I think it's twenty seven pounds without ammo, and he stands up and shoulder fires this thing down into the orchard. Dang. Yeah. So just rambling this sucker. Uh, and this was uh, James Staples. Uh, we had gotten him from one of the other, from HHC company. And he's 
So he's on weapon squad and he's, you know, firing down in there and he's got like, he's getting splinters in the face. Like that's how close he thought he was done for. Yeah. Um, and he's shooting down in the orchard and the great deer that's up there with him, Chris Wiesner, he looks back at his team leader and he's like, are we shooting? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, there's, uh, Sam hammer. He's like, yeah, we're freaking shooting load yeah. unload on them. And cause you know, cause this kid's got, um, so as a great deer. He's got 40 mic mic grenades. So it's a 40 millimeter grenade in, in a, a tube underneath his, his M4. Yeah. And he clack clack and pow. And you, it was almost like the entire battlefield just went quiet. Yeah. And we watched because he hasn't fired this thing in a while. And we watched this thing go so far wide. It goes over the whole village. It just was flying and it was almost like everybody like all our guys watched this thing it was probably because the taliban fire stopped too and it's yeah. like they watched it just go wing <laughs> and you hear this explosion in the distance go go Goosh! and then it just all opens right back up mm. and then that's when chris realized and he he went cyclic on that thing he went through half a belt within i mean couldn't even have been like 10 seconds yeah. i've never seen anybody fire grenades like this and the guys are stacked up and about to flow out and the commander calls in you know you guys need help you need assistance what's going on and i'm like we're about to flow in you know and and assault this sucker um you know and i yell over to bobby i'm like hey we need help and he just gives me this knife hand across the chest and they flow out and i'm like sir we're good yeah. i'll let you know what happens <laughs> and uh yeah so i mean they went through cleared it we didn't uh you know, the word was we winged somebody. We found some blood trails and stuff. Yeah. But um, they had paid off the guy in the compound next to us because there was a we found a stack of Taliban money and oh my gosh. Um, yeah. yeah, this old guy, crazy enough, it was uh, it was Sam Hammer who did it. And I talk about professional because they're clearing this compound. You have adrenaline flying. You know, they are amped up, and he goes to kick in this next door and this old man appears in it with his two daughters clinging to his legs and by right sam you know yeah i mean he did the right thing he um you know he pucked the guy which is basically rolled him up and um you know got him out of the picture and everything but i mean most people have taken that shot yeah you know somebody materializing in the doorway when you're hopped up like that and to have that sort of, um, to be that professional soldier yeah. and to be able to do the right thing in that instance, yeah, especially when you were just, you know, almost annihilated. Oh yeah. Um, hundred, you know, it's, yeah. That's, and that's what I'm talking about to be able to deal with that. And you it mentioned it a little bit, you broke it up into, what did you say? Four, you got four different sections of that book. Or was um, it, or was it there's. Well, like the intro to kind of segue into because it's a so it's written in a stream of consciousness to where um a lot of it's from my my view but it switches pictures so sometimes like so on that assault i'm on the radio during that assault how do you get that particular picture so you have to talk to different guys oh, yeah. not only within that compound when the when it happened you know when the grenade went off and stuff but the guys that assaulted as well and then you have to talk to them um from a few different angles you know find out what really happened because everybody's perception is different you yeah. get 125 guys witness a traumatic event there's going to be 125 different stories and yeah. they're all right so tell us more about where we can find the book 
I said before we started this podcast that I'm going to have to have you back on, right? Because I love history. I love to read. I'm ordering the book. So I'm definitely, <laughs> oh, definitely going to be reading the book. I'm definitely interested to see what you talked about. I want to hear more about that. Come down to North Carolina and Fayetteville. Give us a little bit about that book, where we can find you, and what you're doing now. So where you can find the book, uh, created, it's really, you can get it at any retailers. Barnes & Noble picked it up, so you can get it on the shelves there. Amazon. Um, there's also a website for author signed copies, and that's damnthevalleybook.com. So you can go there. There's all the social links. So you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok um, is the current ones that I try to keep going. YouTube and TikTok are more of recaps yeah. in the video format. But um, the cool thing about the, the website and the author copies is it's really for every two copies sold through there, I can get a copy out to one of the guys that was there. And that's kind of how I'm doing that end. Because I mean, I can't, these books ain't cheap, but oh, they're, no. I, I guarantee you, that's the thing. There's pictures in them. There's a, a section in the middle. There's 30 pictures. They're museum quality, um, which is actually this particular publisher. Uh, so Casemate Publishing is the one that put it out. And they primarily do museums and historical stuff. I wanted to do something that was sort of worthy of those guys. Yeah. So that's what you're getting. Um, I have a coupon out there for the guys in social and, and your audience. It's just all caps. Fury from the sky. So if you want an author signed copy, you can get one of those for uh, free shipping. So it's the same price as retail. And, you know, one of those copies goes towards getting the guys there and anything that's sold over and above on that, I'm going to try and use to supplement to maybe get someone's plane ticket down there or get some, a block of rooms for the guys that show up to that museum event. That's awesome. Well, good vibes nation. You heard it. Listen to what he's saying. Nothing against Barnes and Nobles, but I want you guys to go ahead and go to that site because it's going to a good cause. That's where I'm going to order my book from. You got my word. I'm ordering it. I want that signed copy. Uh, and we're definitely going to have you back on the show okay? because I want to dive down. There's a lot into that book. I definitely want to dive down more. I know we didn't have a lot of time today, but uh, I really appreciate your time, William. Thank you so much yeah. again for your service. Thank you for getting the word out there. You know, thank you for what you're doing. I mean, honestly, it gives a lot of people hope, you know, and, and I know for those in your in your community and served with you, you know, you guys have a have that, you know, band of brothers and that's what you're doing. You're looking out for them. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We look out for each other and, and Nick, hey, thank you for having me, man. I, I will definitely be back on here. I'd love to get into the weeds and maybe do an extended one on this. hundred percent. Sure. I promise you, you're coming back on. We're going to get that scheduled sooner than later. Let me get that book in. Let me read it. And then uh, we're definitely going to have you back on. I appreciate it. Until next time, guys. Sounds good. Thank you.